winter is coming. You're listening to The Watchers of Westeros. I am the king! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep. But also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debt. For the night is dark and full of terror. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them. Game of Thrones? If you're looking at the headlines this week, it's more like Game of a Hip Hop. Have you been following this? Have you been following this? I have a Google alert set up for Game of Thrones, right? So if something big happens, I'm going to know. Or, you know, just at the end of the day, I get all the reviews and all the news just sent directly to my phone so I can keep up with it. This week, it has been dominated by hip hop artists. Like, we should, this feels almost like it's more like Entertainment Tonight than Watchers of Westeros. Because apparently, these are the two big stories this week Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Apparently, thinks Game of Thrones is, is based on actual history. <laughs> and Jay-Z bought Beyonce one of the uh, dragon egg props from, like, the first episode. <laughs> so I don't know what is going on. Uh, but if uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. Although, if you were watching the headlines, you'd think that's what we're here to talk about. What we're really here to talk about is the fifth episode of Season 5, Kill the Boy. And if you're looking for discussion about that, you are in the right place. This is, of course, The Watchers of Westeros, your source for Game of Thrones talk and so much more. Uh, introductions are, of course, in order. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as he always does, is my good friend and co-host, Kieran. Good evening, Dominic, and listeners to another episode of The Watchers of Westeros. And we're already halfway through the season. I can't believe it. We're technically halfway through the season now, and I know for a lot of people this season has seemed a little bit a little bit underwhelming so far. But I'm expecting big, big things in the second half of the season. Yeah, that's particularly I. This episode for me is more of a setup. Mm. I, you have contrasting views on the episode. I, I'm, I'm going to say, <laughs> but I I've actually quite liked this episode personally. So um, right, I'll be interested good. to hear your conflicting thoughts of that, mate. Well, see, thing is, thing is, I mean, you said people have felt the season's been a little bit slow. I don't think the season has been slow. I think it's going roughly about the pace of what we're used to for other seasons. Maybe a, a tad slower, but this with this episode, uh, I don't know. I feel like it was it was a bit of spinning of the wheels. It, was, it felt a couple of times like we've been over some of this stuff, especially with with uh, with Jon Snow and 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 some of that stuff. I know it was setting things up, but. I, I I felt it could have been done a little bit quicker, and and we could have gotten on to, to things a little bit faster. But it, it did have some good character moments, and I and I love character moments, so I can, I can't really complain on that front. But let's jump into this. Uh, I'll I'll throw it to you for for the um for the 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 positive. I, you know, I, I don't want to say that because I'm not negative about this episode by any stretch of the imagination. I still enjoyed it. It was still it was still a good hour of television. Um, but you know, it was still not. It was definitely number five in terms of my top episodes of this season thus far. Uh, but I'll throw it to you for your initial impressions of Kill the Boy. I, I 
I'm completely um, contrasting your view. I'm actually going to say this is probably the second or best episode of season five, and and that's and that's going to be interesting to hear because um, why why I think that and why and why you think differently about that. But you you said it as much. It's it's a character driven episode, really, and I do like the interactions we're starting to get now with our familiar characters. One of my favourite scenes in this particular episode we'll come on to is that dinner scene with the Boltons. I think it's so well played. It's so tense. And you're really... You're feeling, you're feeling like Sansa a little bit in that situation because you don't know what to expect with Ramsay. He's so unpredictable as a character. And then you have the conversation with him and his father. And, and I liked how that, that power play really shifted between Ramsay and Roos on that particular dinner scene. And there, there was a lot of character moments, which I, I quite liked. We see Stannis talking with uh, Sam Tarly for the first time, and we see the respect between um, uh, Stannis has for his father, for example, and, 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 and the name of Tarly. We also we, we do begin to see the wheels are beginning to turn in motion now. As, as we said, or as I said earlier, it's really a setup this episode, for bigger things to come. I mean, the first, I guess the issue is that the first episode was called in this season, The Wars to Come. And it feels like we've been waiting five episodes for the wars to still come. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure it, when it does, it's going to come with a bang. And we're really putting characters in their places. We've got Daenerys talking about the return of, of traditions to Marine, the return of the fighting pits, which I think is going to be a really exciting element of the episode. We travel to Valyria and we get to see Tyrion's reaction for his first real look at a dragon live. And and the stone men as well. There's yeah. a lot of history towards this, but I, I'm really fascinated by that. So for me, I really enjoyed this episode as a character-driven story. It wasn't necessarily, in terms of plot, furthering too much. We don't see too much changing, apart from really the John is going to try and free the wildlings and, and bring them to the Night's Watch and, and save them, really, is his aim there. Um, we don't see too much changing in, in, in terms of plot in general, but I still think it's quite... It, it, it was still an interesting and, and engrossing story for my in my book, anyway. But I'll throw it over to you, Dominic, and and you can offer your thoughts on on why you think this episode wasn't the best and and, and how it maybe should have improved. Yeah, well, I I think it's it's, it's interesting because I I agree with the, some of the things you're saying about about Jon Snow and and that and that kind of stuff. I did I did think that was interesting his his interactions with the wildlings and uh, the, the Sam and Stannis stuff. I could have done without, to be perfectly honest. It didn't add too too much to to that to, to the episode for me uh but you know you were just praising the uh you know the stuff with ramsey and sansa i found that to be a bit lacking to be perfectly honest because all this season i've been waiting to see what sansa's reaction would be to seeing theon again and it was just such a a, a letdown because she sees him and like you know for, at first she's horrified and she runs away and then she's just kind of you know, sees him and then there's nothing to, more to it. I mean, you know, they do, you know, Ramsey has that, you know, crazy idea of, you know, having, uh, having Theon 
uh, walks Sansa, Sansa down the aisle. And to be honest, I'm starting the unpredictability of of Ramsay Bolton is starting to wane for me because it, it's you know it worked really well at first. It, it did because they built him up as so horrible and so evil. And then they would have these moments where he would sort of they would play it up like he's about to do something evil, and then he would do something kind. He would do something good for Reek. And at this point, you know, when he it almost would have been more interesting, I think, to have have seen him punish Reek instead of just comfort him, because it was uh, you know that I at that point. I, I heard the music swelling. I saw the way they were shooting it. And I, I knew they're trying to sell me on the idea that he's about to do something horrible. But I bet he's just going to, you know, let Theon stand up. And so I, I found that storyline just a bit a bit dry, a bit stagnant. There wasn't. And, and that has been one of my favorite stories thus far this season. I, I've really been enjoying uh the, the, the Sansa story this season, you know, much more than in past seasons. I, th- I think she's been really, really interesting, and I, I'm glad that they're doing things this way with her. But I, I found that this episode there just there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough. There wasn't that big moment. We didn't build to anything. And even in past times when we've done sort of more character-driven episodes, there's usually some big character turn, some big character twist at the end. And we didn't really get that. We got that a bit with Danny, but I, 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 you know, just the direction that Danny's story went this episode, you know, it was all done well. I just, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm starting to have some questions about Danny as a leader. I am not, I'm not digging her style this season, to be perfectly honest. You know, we, we talked a few weeks ago about the, about the comparisons between her, um, you know, beheading someone and the way Jon Snow beheaded, beheaded um, Janice Lint. And, and and that kind of stuff and and just the beginning of this episode where she rounds up all of the all of the masters and she takes them to the dragon and that's not really good qualities of a leader you know i mean at the end of the episode she makes the right decision and and that's good but that you know if i were uncle owen from star wars episode 4 a new hope i might say that she's looking like she's got too much of her father in her at that point, that seems a very mad king-ish thing to do. That doesn't that doesn't seem Robert Baratheon-esque. That seems more Joffrey Mad King. Um, although they probably would have enjoyed it more than she did, but she didn't. You know, she didn't. She wasn't horrified by it by any stretch of the imagination either. So I, you know, that's not something Ned Stark would have done. That's not something Jon Snow would have done. And and I'm, quite frankly, I'm surprised it's something she did. What was how did how did you react to that scene? Because I was pretty. I didn't, I, I, you know, disappointed is probably the wrong term, <laughs> but, you know, I, it, it shocked me in a way that was not a good shock, more of like a, oh, really? That's what, that's what this character that I've, I've come to really enjoy and really like over these past few seasons has, is, is doing now. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. How, how did you feel about it? Uh, Daenerys is a character is really learning a trade. She's trying to learn a trade of what it takes to be a ruler. And the the issue for Daenerys, I think, in terms of public perception, is that her rule is filled with contradictions. And if if you're looking at that type of ruler, you're yeah. you're confused. And 
it, it, it can give the tendency of looking a bit like the Mad King, where yeah. Daenerys will go one way and say, OK, we're going to free the slaves and we're going to punish the masters, etc. And then the next day she's saying, well, I've got to be fair and just, so I'm going to chop off this slaver's head just to prove a point. And then she goes and turns back and says, oh, the master's killed my friends. I've got to punish them. To look at it from her perspective, that's public perception. Let's look at it from her perspective, though. I think for Daenerys, there's been this continuous build-up now. We're seeing this for over a season of people resisting her rule. And, And it's really hit a climax or a it's really hit zenith i think with the death of sir barristan now sir barristan was counseling to danny this yeah to be generous charitable kind and fair and just that's gone now and i do think that initial initial recoil will be to be repressive and punitive in the punishments because these people have now not only just proved a nuisance, but have proved a threat, a tangible, palpable threat to her and have managed to kill one of her closest council members who she trusted and was really on real cordial relations with. And that's disappeared now. He's gone. Grey Worm's injured. Um, obviously, he's, he, he seems like he's going to heal and get better. But... For Danny, she's looking to say it, her, her emotions are running there. Her emotions are running high, and we see that later in this episode, she be, gets to, she becomes more objective about the situation, and she asks, I can't remember her name, the 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 the, the lady who's to, who worked as the translator to Daenerys, Miss Sandai, Sandai, that's it, Miss Sandai. Sorry, it's all Sandai. one. It's all one word, Miss Sandai. Oh, miss, oh, sorry, miss, I missed the miss bit. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Miss Andai. There we go. You don't have to email in folks about that now. We've got that all sorted. <laughs> and and she asks her for advice and says, what what do you think I should do? And it's really Miss Andai who apprises to Daenerys, follow your instinct. When you follow your council members, it's led you down a path you didn't really want to fall into or walk down and she believes Miss Andai believes that Daenerys following her own instincts will prove a much better ruler whether Daenerys's actions in this episode of or at least her rhetoric of saying she's going to bring back the fighting picks fighting pits whether that's going to bring back traditions to marine whether that's going to be a good thing is still up for debate but it seems a lot more pragmatic than what she's been doing in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I, for me, I do see growth still in her character, and it's and it, I, to me, this is as real as it can get because it's not it's not as black and white as you'll see it on some films or TV shows where someone conquers a city. And then they rule and live happily ever after. It's not like Snow White, for goodness' oh, sake. Sure, sure yeah. I, I think there there needs to and be got, consequences. Got to be pragmatism to this, doesn't yeah. there? It's got to be consequences. Absolutely, I, I agree. And and I, I like what you're saying. And that, she's still young. Yeah, that's true. And and I, I'm just full of Star Wars quotes today. Uh, I think of a, a, an Obi Wan quote from the Clone Wars. And uh, Clone Wars Strikes Back is back. Check that out if you're into the Clone Wars. Um, he says, you know, a great great leap forward often requires two steps back. 
and you know she had been resisting this urge or this this request to bring back the fighting pits and she had been constantly resisting it saying no 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 and so it was only perhaps it was only when you know sir barristan was killed and then she tried this you know brutal dario naharis kind of way that she sort of realized maybe the right way to do this is just to you know give the people what they want and, and bring back the damn fighting pits uh, so I, I I appreciate that, but it was kind of it was one of those scenes, you know, that really made you question the character. And and there've been a couple of scenes this season. You know, she's really been this has not been a good season for her. It really hasn't. She's been been struggling, and I, you know, it's 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 all in service of you know learning and moving forward. And and that still seems to be the case. But that was one of those scenes, man, where it was, you know, you could really see her Targaryen side of being shown or, you know, that, you know, it was in that moment, she was her father's daughter. You know, she was the mad King's daughter and, and that, you know, hopefully, hopefully was something that she sort of realized is, is, is not the way to, to do things. And, and we get the impression at the end of the episode that she did, she did get that impression. And, and it was good that it was, uh, it was Miss Andi that it was sort of the one that sort of showed her, Okay, let's 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 try something different here. You know, it was, uh, you know, we, you know, she'd been taking the advice of of men for so long, and and it was, you know, when finally when she turned to her female advisor that she figured out what's probably the right answer. Although we'll, we'll see how marrying that guy, uh, that guy whose name we can never remember, <laughs> um, will turn out uh, throughout the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, it was... well, I, I think with Daenerys, it's a lesson that she's going to learn. I don't yeah. see Daenerys falling down the same path as the Mad King. Well, it, the Mad it, King was so... mad. The Mad King had mental illness, basically. And I don't think we see that in her, but it was kind of a moment that was reminiscent of that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. No, in, in terms of the way of the Mad King would use wildfire to burn. Yeah. His enemies, he, he did. Burned, the, you know, well, the one of the main Starks. reasons for the war was because he burned down the. Yeah, as you said, he burned the Starks. He, yeah. he burned Rickon and Brandon, uh, Brandon Stark. Brandon was brother to Eddard, and mm-hmm. Rickon was the father to Ned Stark. So, I mean, these are this is a part of the chain reaction for starting this whole affair in the first place and getting Robert Raffian on the on the throne. Yeah. But what we see with Daenerys is she's lost a lot of her counsellors though and she's lost Sir Barristan now, she's lost Sir Jorah Mormont and what we do see is an opening here for someone like or or two people like Tyrion and Lord Varys um, and obviously Jorah looks like he's coming back as well we'll, yeah. we'll get on to Jorah <laughs> later but uh, these are the type of people that Daenerys will need within her council to make her a wise and strong leader mm-hmm. and uh, but it, what is good is that he's recognizing that she can't just fall on everything the counselors say. And and Tomlin at the moment, we see in King's Landing, is having difficulty because he's really letting the counselors rule, yeah, um, and not and not really having his say. Daenerys, w- w- in a way, was starting to fall down that path of listening to Daharas or Dario. listening to <laughs> Darius, sorry, um, or listening to Sebastian. And they're obviously two polarizing figureheads when it comes to ruling. Dah- uh, I can't pronounce the name. Daros, Dar- it, Dario Naharis. 
Dario Naharis. There we go. Um, we'll get there in the end. I blame it on the British accent. Yeah. Dario <laughs> Naharis. He he's more of one who is strong-willed and punitive measures. Fight, fight, fight. Um, whereas, using another quote from Star Wars, the Barristan is more of the Yobi one, saying there are alternatives to fighting, and that's kind of the Barristan really. He's more on be more charitable, generous, fair, and just. That's his. That's his game. Danny's got to try and get the balance of both worlds here, and I think she started to learn that now. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take time, and we'll see how it ends up with the fighting pits. But I believe it's a step in the right direction. I, I don't know what you think about the repercussions of Daenerys. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I think fight, fighting pits. Yeah, I, I think at the, her decision at the end was the right one, and uh, you know that could lead to to more problems, of course. But I think. You know, given what's going on, that that's probably the the best decision to you know to try and pacify the people by giving them some of what they want. Obviously, the masters want slavery brought back, and that's never going to happen. But if she brings back, she brings back sport. You know, she brings back. You know, she she lets it. You know, Pacquiao and Mayweather go at it in the fighting pits. Then maybe maybe people will be a little bit more interested in what's going on. Uh, or will be less will be less likely to rise up and and kill her her advisors is what i is what i mean to say uh but let's let's talk about let's talk about what's going on uh, at the wall with uh with john snow and you know he he has that conversation with that that wildling whose name is is escaping me right now but i really enjoy torment, torment giants bane torment torment giants bane yeah so he's, he has the conversation with torment and about you know going out there going out beyond the wall to try and get the the wildlings to uh you know join to or to come south and whereas you know danny seemed to make the decision that uh you know was suggested to her by her advisors and it worked out and it seemed to be absolutely the wrong decision at least that first scene where she has the the guy killed by her dragons um john seemed to make the unpopular decision but the decision that was the correct decision you know it it seemed like that seemed like the right decision. It seems like we're seeing Jon Snow doing the right thing, even though it's costing him some of his reputation. And and, and I see. I think you know, in comparison to you know Danny's story in this episode, I I feel like Jon was you know doing the right thing. And it's it, you know, it, it, the, one of the great things about this show is it does it doesn't just show us you know black and white characters, characters you know that are all good or all evil. They all have have character flaws and they all have a variety of flaws. And it's good to show that. Uh, but it was it was nice to see somebody doing the right thing because we haven't seen that in nearly you know in a really long time, you know it's it's nice because usually we're used to Joffrey and Tywin and 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 all of these these people that are you know manipulating each other and you know for a change you know it takes us back to to season to season one when when Lord Eddard was doing the right thing for the right reasons. We're finally we're seeing that again. We're seeing Jon Snow doing the right things for the right reasons. Now it did not work out well for Ned. And so maybe that maybe this is a sign that we should be really worried about John. But, uh, you know, do you agree? Do you think John is doing the right thing here? Or, or are you maybe more with some of the, the, the other Night's Watchmen? Certainly on the side of Jon Snow. Here. Yeah, he is doing the be. right thing. You can't be against John. I, I, his, his motives are honorable. And it seems that the difficulty is that 
This is a long-standing tradition that's been going on for thousands of years, the war between a Night's Watch and a Wildlings. Yeah. It's not going to be as simple as just clicking your fingers and saying, all is well. <laughs> you think about, yeah. I always think about when the uh, slavery was abolished, for example. Um, people will write the decree. It happened in, in Russia. I remember studying Russian history about when that was abolished in 1861. Obviously, Abraham Lincoln did that in 1863. Um or around, around the early 1860s, and it, it, it sparked off conflict. In the case of the Americas, it was, it was one of the major factors which contributed to the outbreak of the Civil War, for example. Yeah. So th- th- this is kind of what we're seeing here, that, that John is trying to break away from this long-standing feud, and he's right. He's saying, listen, the wildlings are not our enemy at the, at the moment. It's the, the White Walkers. White Walkers. And... He says that great line, we can either learn to fight with the wildlings or we can add them to the list of the the undead army. And that's that's what's going to happen there. So his motives are completely right. On the other hand, you do have to look at it from the perspective of the Night's Watchmen and you can understand where they're coming from. Oh, absolutely. We've just seen an entire episode in Season 4, Episode 9, with this massive cataclysmic battle between oh, the Night's yeah. Watch and the Wildlings who were hell-bent on murdering each other. Grin died as sacrificing himself. Pip. Pip died. All of these characters which we knew and, and grew to love, particularly Gren, I thought he was a great character um, and was really one of those principal characters who was fighting with John, uh, with John all the yeah. way. And, and it was sad to see him go. And you can understand emotionally it's going to be a hard decision. But pragmatically and practically... As Maester Eamon said, as Lord Commander, you have to make these decisions. Yeah. This is your job now. And it's going to be hard. And I think that conversation with Ollie was a case in point there where it does demonstrate the, well, he, I think Ollie in that situation personified many of the Night's Watch, what Night's Watchmen, uh, I guess, disenchantment with this idea, or at least tr- not necessarily trepidation. But I would say more indignation, i.e. they're angry about it. They don't want to do this. I mean, the wildlings murdered his whole family and ate them when they were dead. Why would you want to be cooperating with with people like that? Sure, you can understand uh, the other side of of the coin there, Dominic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Not just John's perspective, but oh, the Night's sure. Watchman's yeah. perspective. Well, yeah, though that's the thing. You know, for all of these decisions that are made in these episodes, whether it's John or Daniel or whoever, the only the exception being Well, even 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 the stuff that like Ramsey and Roose Bolden are doing, you can understand their decision, even if you don't agree with it. And and yeah, absolutely. You can totally understand. I mean that that like you mentioned, the, the Battle of Castle Black. I mean, that's not something that's easy to forget for people on either side. And, and, you know, I, I think nobody knows that better than Jon Snow, which is, you know, which makes it kind of interesting that he's the one suggesting peace. Now, he also knows what's best and he, he learned from, from Ned sort of how to, how, how really to, to lead. And, you know, he's. Well, he, he also learned from Commander Mormon yeah. and to an extent, Mance Raider, you could yeah, argue. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to convince the, uh, convince the wildlings because I, I, I worry, and this is based on the trailer, that perhaps he's walking into a trap. Perhaps he's walking into a trap. I'm a bit concerned, but we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he's necessarily walking into a trap. I, 
See, Tormund Giantsbane seems to be one of one of the wildlings that is. I don't want to say more on, honorable is not the right word, but he seems more principled and and a little more trustworthy than some of the other ones that that we've seen. Um, and, and he seems to say it how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, yeah. he's not necessarily one to to play the manipulative game. However, what I do think we'll find out is that many of the wildlings, in a similar way to the Night's Watch, aren't necessarily going to go to it, go and adhere to John's plea. That's how I think it will unfold. But no, I, I do also like your point of saying it could well be a trap. All we do know is, from what we have seen in the trailers, there's going to be some conflict that takes place. What causes that conflict remains to be seen, between yeah. the Night's Watch and the wildlings, at least. Yeah, it's still to be determined. Uh, sticking with the North, I'm starting to worry worry about Princess Shireen gotta be honest i'm starting to worry that that we're leading towards her demise you know a, a partial part of that could be you know stannis's uh conversation with her last week which was a beautiful moment between the two of them and uh you know a kind of a funny exchange this week between her and sir davos where you know he says she says you know i'm not afraid and he says well well i am so you'll protect me right you know that's kind of a funny thing joking around with the little kid who's going to war apparently um so I, I, does it seem to you that they're perhaps building towards her death because you know she's not a character that we've, we've seen a lot of prior to this season but this season she seems to be you know in a lot more important situations than, than we've seen before See, I, I see it the opposite way around, Dominic. And we mentioned it last week. I still think that Shireen's going to have an important part to play in oh, the series. I, I hope so. I hope so. I, I, I don't envision Shireen biting the dust. I think the reason we're seeing more of her is to ensure that the audience is aware that she will become a key player in the future. Yeah. I see it the opposite way, that the people who are actually communicating with her are the ones who are going to bite oh. the dust more, than, more likely than <laughs> she will. I, Stannis... Yeah. I fear he's a goner. Yeah, oh, yeah. I really do. And really, what is foreshadowing a lot of this is we keep seeing the image in the background of Melisandre. And I keep saying that for me, Melisandre represents this female satanic character. We see it when Sadavos and Stannis have their conversation and, and Stannis tells him, right, we're going tomorrow, we're leaving at, at dawn. And and you see Sir Davos, they walk out the door, and who does he see opposite him? Melisandre giving him that look. So are you, John are you, Snow John Snow sees it as well. Yeah. I think bringing along the Red Woman is going to lead to the downfall of Stannis. So Davos mentioned it earlier a couple of seasons ago. If you bring Melisandre with you to King's Land, to the Battle of King's Land and the Battle of Blackwater, it will be her victory, not yours. And yeah. I think we're going to see this happen. With the Battle of Winterfell, personally, mm, that's a good that's a good point. And you know, you you mentioned you know the, this idea that perhaps any time we see her with interacting with a character, it suggests death for them. So could that perhaps? Well, well Stannis at the moment he's been he's been corrupted, but nothing majorly tragic has yeah. yet. I mean, happened to him. I mean, obviously, he mentions when he's, he killed his brother, but in ter- he, he kind of wanted to remove his brother from being a rival so yeah. that wasn't necessarily uh completely tragic i think more if his daughter or um sir davos was to oh, well basically i think it's going to be for stannis to die yeah i really do think that um uh, that th- that would be what what really is going to bring about his downfall personally mm. I, I i do think that he will meet his end in his battle with a, with a number of other characters as well 
And bringing Melisandre along is really a foreboding and, and ominous. Uh, it's just an ominous moment. I, I, I do fear for where his character will go after this story. I, what's, what's your interpretation now, Dominic, regards to the story now regard, uh, of the Baratheon cause here? Yeah, I mean, how, how how are you how are you feeling? This is really gonna gonna end up. What what's the end game here? See, I I I think that they will win the battle Battle of Winterfell, assuming that is to come. Uh, we don't know for sure, but assuming that's something that's we're we're leading to, I think they will win. But I think you're right. I think it will be seen by Stannis's men as as Melisandre's victory, and that will sort of lead to some major tension between the two of them. And you know, Stannis. Stannis and Roose Bolton are sort of the, the and Cersei, I guess, are sort of the the last remaining elders, you know, who are still in positions of power. You know, you look everywhere else; it's 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 pretty young. It's it's young people all over. Well, apart from Dorne and Dorne, yeah, that's right. But you know, you know what I, you know what I mean. You know, Tywin's gone, yeah. and 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 Ned is gone, and Renly and Robert and all of these, you know, once very powerful people. Drogo, even you know these are, are, are Sir Barristan for crying out loud. They're all sort of going, and, and I feel like Stannis is is going to uh, fall apart somewhere along the line. I, I do think we are leading towards his demise, but I think I don't think it will be as simple as killed in battle. I think there will be something more to it. Oh no! And I I wonder, you know, because there's still the whole thing of you know the Iron Bank is still out there, and they're backing him and. You know, will they continue to back his army if he is not there? And and how does that change the dynamics? And you know, who 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 will they back if they don't back them? Could they back? Would they go back to backing uh, the the Lannisters to backing Tomlin when you know they're owed tons or, and tons of money? Or the Starks. The Starks. Well, that's possible. Yeah, we'll, we'll see who's 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 in control of Winterfell by the time we get to. By the time the battle, then the dust clears. But I, I, I think that there's more to Stannis' story. I do think we're reaching the end of it. I do think we're reaching the end of, of the stories for a lot of the older characters. Um, and it's really going to be, you know, the last season will really be sort of a young a young person's game. I, I feel like Stannis' story is, is reaching its end point. I do think Cersei's story is also re- reaching its end point. And, you know... It's it's really the the principal characters now are Danny and Arya and Sansa Sansa and John and Tomlin and, and Marjorie. Sort of the the younger characters right now are, are really, um, you know, they're I think they're about to really steal the scene next season once some of these other characters are are dead, <laughs> are dead once they're killed off, um, and and yeah, so I, I do sort of see them as sort of the last last remaining guards of of the old of old, and we'll see how we'll see how that plays out, but. Uh, let's let's move on and uh, well let's go back to Winterfell just a little bit uh, because let's let's talk about Bruce Bolton's reveal to Ramsay that he's going to have another child and they assume or they think it's going to be a son. It is do you do you think Bruce Bolton recognizes that Ramsay is a complete mess and shouldn't be in control of anything and that this is really a backup plan for when. Ramsay goes crazy and has to be put down. Basically, it's an it's an interesting one. I I watched the inside the episode video and yeah. there was commentary about this from the two writers, um, David David Benoff and oh DB Weiss, DB Weiss. That's it. That's it. Weiss, um, and they both 
talk about the fact that that dinner scene, the the main reason for Roose Bolton saying that line was in part to put him down a little bit. You know, Ramsey was getting very cocky, showing the audience and showing Ramsey himself, I'm still top dog here. You know, just just watch where you, where you are in this chain here. I'm still the top of the command uh, structure here. But also, it, it recognises that Ramsey is best suited to having an incentive. And mm. his position, as a result of Roos's news, is not as secure as Ramsey has once fought. Yeah. I mean, for me, the dynamics between those characters, are, I find them fascinating because I, I feel that any one of those characters is ready to betray the other oh, at sure. a certain given point, which is what I think is really, really interesting. It's not as simple as Tywin Lannister talking about the legacy. Um, and, 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 I mean, he, he says he was prepared to kill Tyrion. I, pre- I agree that he was because he already had... Um, Oh goodness me! He already had Jamie there, who was going to further the dynasty. For Bolton, it, it, Roose Bolton, he does now have that opportunity if he wanted to with this newborn son. Mm-hmm. However, I would fear for the life of his mother because <laughs> I'm sure Ramsay is going to be getting very, very nervous and anxious about this, and I think his anxiety usually ends up being unleashed in all sorts of torturous ways, in in uh, quite heinous crimes. I reckon, as well, what was quite interesting in that dinner scene was Sansa Stark has kind of learned how to play Ramsay a little bit. She, I, I, I believe that Sansa may well poison his mind in a way and fuel that discord between him and his father talking about not trusting him and, oh, he might have an alternative. And in a way, maybe get Ramsey to do the dirty work for her. Yeah, that's that's possible. Because if, if you look, I always I look at the facial reaction. She hasn't given anything away based on her rhetorical discourse. But if you if you look, Dominic, there's that little smirk there. Do you not recall? Yeah, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're, you're, you're referring when, to. When he's downing that wine and he, he's not looking so pleased with himself. Now, obviously on the surface you could say, well, she's pleased because he's got his own back here and put, he's been put down. But I, I read more into Sansa's, Sansa's continuously learning the game here. And in a way, I think that scene was as interesting for Sansa as it was for Ramsay and Roos in the sense that she actually stood up to herself a little bit when she said, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. She would never have questioned Joffrey in that manner. She would have just sat down and said, yes, I agree, Your Grace. Yes, I agree. She's, she's getting a little bit more confident about herself, and but she's not taking it too far where she would directly, you know, she could she, she could easier di- uh, stood up there and said, oh, when Ramsay's talking about Fionn killing her brothers and say, well, you were the reason for killing my brother and mother, but she hasn't. Mm-hmm. She's kept it calm and she's kept it content. She's trying to... She, she, she is playing the game. She's not trying to. I think she is. Oh, for sure. I, 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 for yeah. sure. What, what, what did you make of the reading of that particular scene with regards to Sansa? Well, I, I see one, how far she's come in, like, as you were talking about there, you know, she's she's playing along. She hasn't freaked out. 
Um, you know, she's, I think, you know, Ramsey is, is definitely trying to, I think it's more Ramsey's trying to push her, trying to get a reaction, reaction out of her because that's sort of his, his thing. And I think, you know, the fact that she resisted the whole time speaks volumes about what she's up to at this point. And I don't know if I will, if I expect to see them really teaming up at any point or her using him in, in any way. I expect her. I don't know. I don't know what I expect from her. Really, at, at this point, I, I expect her sort of knowledge of the game is is still incomplete. I still think it 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 needs something more. I don't know if she would really be able to manipulate somebody at 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 this point. But then, you know, Littlefinger did tell her, you know, this is how you have to do things. So maybe she'll give it a shot, um, and and perhaps she can, you know, create some tension between you know Ramsay and and Roose, and and that will you know make it a little bit easier for Stannis to come in there and. And take things over and, and install her as wardeness of the north. Um, hopefully, you know Ramsay and and, and Roose will will bite the dust. I, I expect we'll we'll see that at some point. Um, I, I, my my new theory is now that uh, that that Theon is going to kill Ramsay to save Sansa. That's that's my theory, and that will be his his redemption, or he'll sacrifice himself in some way uh, to save her, and that will be his his kind of some form of redemption. Maybe. Really? Do you think so? I, I, that's where I see it going. I, I, that's that. Now, again, this is Game of Thrones, so it's, it maybe not be too too wise to make any predictions like that. But I, I, I see him saving her uh, in some way, and that being his, the beginning of his, or you know, his his one act of redemption, so that he isn't, you know, he isn't still a vile character. He, you know, he's still not going to be a good character, but he's still, but he may begin down the path of, of redeeming himself sort of like sort of like the hound you know i mean the hound is is perceived as this awful terrible person but you know all we saw through four seasons was him protecting Arya and sansa so you know I, you know theon did some awful things in his past absolutely we saw that and we saw how that turned out for all of his friends um but i could also see a situation where he would you know, seeing her again, you know, it, it seems to be stirring up something in him. And perhaps if he, he sees her again, and that's his connection to his past, to Rob Stark, to his friend who he betrayed, you know, maybe that can be his sort of final, his final deed, you know, in, in an attempt to, you know, apologize almost for what he's done. You know, granted, there's not really any apologizing for what, he, for what he's done, but it, it would be sort of that that symbolic gesture that shows that he still cares about the Stark family and he still would prefer the best for them. And, and that, that's sort of where I see his story going. Granted. Well, well technically as well, you look at that scene there yeah. and, and, and Ramsey is feeding lies to Sansa because the, the Boltons know that the Bran and Rickon. Do they? We're not, we're not, we're not killed by Theon. Do they know that? Well, yeah, because he sent Roose Bolton sent Locke up to find him. Right. Do you not remember that in season four? Right, right, right. Yes, you're right. Right, right. So, that, so they recognise, and, and, and Theon obviously told Ramsay there, and he's yeah, Ramsay said, oh, the Starks could be a threat. Now, at this point, they may think they're dead. Mm-hmm. They may not, because they, they may think, oh, well, if Locke couldn't find him, they're probably just dead. But they know it wasn't Theon who killed them, because mm-hmm. Theon revealed as much. And so, you know, for Theon, again, that's more torturous for him because 
he's having to okay that he did do a lot of wrong but he didn't kill the two boys and it could be a revelation to Sansa who wouldn't have any aware of, awareness of that at all mm-hmm. um so I, I i can i can agree that there will be some sort of redemption here for Theon we're seeing a lot of him and it would be a little bit of a uninteresting story arc if Theon was to then just continue his life as he is now being this worthless and 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 really unconfident character now he's not he's a shadow of his former self yeah. however i could he buck up the courage to to kill ramsay i mean it's he he looks absolutely terrified of him i mean that scene in particular as you said where he has to crouch down and you think ramsay's going to do something here and i think in a way that's the scary thing it's anticipating what he's going to do mm-hmm. even though he does nothing in, in a way that's kind of Oh God, he's doing nothing, but but he still he, we've seen what he can do, and that, there was that shot of him when he held up the hands, and you see Ramsay looking down, and to me, I could look at that from Theon's perspective, and he looks a bit like a god in a way, a vengeful god because yeah. he's so afraid of him, he really is, and, and and that scene is really from Theon's perspective when that music is going we 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 our hearts are beating like Fionn's is there thinking oh my god what's he going to do what's he going to well, do yours was <laughs> well mine was but you know because well maybe you weren't as much and uh, Fionn, I, I told you i'm not his greatest man no, at all no. however you still feel from what you've seen with ramsey that anything could happen yeah absolutely and and and, and in a way that is a strength and i know that some, you said that it is can get a little bit tiresome but that's what makes his character. He's he's psychologically on the edge all the time. Oh sure, and yeah. I, and I think that's what Roos is trying to get out of Ramsay once again. He doesn't want the cocky side of him, who's resting on his laurels. He wants someone who's lustful and and ready for the fight. And mm-hmm. we've seen a preview for next week. It it looks like I I'm only basing this on a thirty second preview we saw. Interpretation from me. It looks like it's going to be the wedding of yeah. Sansa and 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 Ramsay. We've seen how weddings go in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Something big is going to happen there. Well, and maybe, maybe that's when Stannis attacks. I, mm, I'm not sure it'd be so quick. I think yeah, it'll be soon. But I, I, I'm liking the interplay with the Boltons personally. I know it doesn't really I, further the plot or the storyline, but their interaction—I said—is fascinating. They're competing with each other. The the Bolton lads, if you want to call them that, <laughs> Bruce Bolton and Ramsay Bolton. They're not. It's not as clear-cut as just the father and the son. The son is looking to be respected by the father and recognised as his legitimate heir. However, mm-hmm. for Ramsay, that fuels anger, competitive, particularly when Bruce has talked about Nate having a, another son, right. which clearly could be seen as an alternative to Ramsay. He says as much, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I, yeah. For me, this this whole this whole story arc, this or this whole portion of the episode, like I said at the beginning, was a bit stagnant. I I, I felt it didn't add enough to it, so I, I I don't have too too much to say about it that we haven't already said. Well, the last because, thing I want to raise yeah, about for this it. scene. What about Ramsey's Miranda? Yeah, <laughs> Miranda talks with Sansa and is the one who show shows her reek. Well, yeah. Well, everybody. What, what, what do you make of her play in in this whole game? Yeah. We've already seen her earlier in episode three where she gives Ramsay that look 
when he kisses Sansa's hand of jealousy. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be a threat to Sansa, or is it not I, really? I is, it, is this just I something that's she, really going to come back to bite Miranda in the ass instead? I think she's more of a threat to to Ramsay almost. I I I don't think she's much of a threat to Sansa. But I, I, I do think that she's still got a role to play in all of this. I think it, it's very interesting that, you know, Ramsey Bolton and, uh, and Roose Bolton, too, to, to a certain extent, although much more in the case of Ramsey. He's, he does surround himself with people that are also, um, you know, that share his kind of uh, convictions or sort of, you know, the creepy aspect to, to them. Like, you know, Miranda does not seem like, you know, she she's not like Sansa. She's not like anybody really that we've we've seen before. She's much the only person she can really be compared to is is Ramsay. She's sort of got that weird, creepy element to her as well that you're not quite sure what she's going to do next. You know, when she goes to show Sansa uh, uh, Theon, I was maybe wondering, okay, is this a trap? Is she going to try and and, and kill Sansa? I don't know that she would. I I think we have a better shot of seeing her try to kill Ramsay out of out of jealousy. Um, than perhaps trying to kill kill Sansa, but I, I I still think there's there's some role to be played, and and we'll we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. But well, if she if she kills Sansa, I'm sure that Miranda must know she'd be dead as well. Because yeah. in fairness to Sansa, although uh, she is clearly uh, she, she's uh, she's under pressure here, or she's under peril really from the Boltons to a certain extent. They need her for her name. Yeah. If they kill her, they lose the Stark girl and could possibly lead to some open rebellion if people find out that Sansa Stark is now dead. Oh, yeah. So they need her still. Ramsay can play his games, but he, he can't go so, so far as to as to kill her. I mean, we've seen it at Roose Bolton with, with that Walder Frey girl. Yeah. But they, they seem to be, at dinner time, very formal, very amicable. Um because they they need the name and they need the status. So for that respect, Sansa's more safe, I would say, in that regard, from external threats than mm-hmm. yeah. arguably Ramsay is. Yeah, absolutely. Ramsay is only just emerged as a Bolton. There's now a new son in the works. His position is a lot more untenable now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's talk about let's talk about Tyrion and Jorah. I, uh, let's, let, they they have their own uh, mini adventure with the Stone Men. These uh, these poor folks that were infected with grayscale and now are living out their lives, going crazy and trying to infect other people. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll save Tyrion seeing the dragon for the last for the very last thing. But let's talk about Jorah catching grayscale. What does this mean for him going forward? Is this like a this this to me just kind of adds to the tragedy of him because you know maybe now he's in a you know nothing to lose situation, but you know he's he's doing all this stuff in the hopes of of reuniting with Danny and and hopefully you know her seeing him in a different light. But now he's in a situation where he can never touch her. He can never touch anybody because that's that's the thing about grayscale. You you pass it on just by touching it. By, by just by getting touched by somebody with it, so he's almost in like a lose lose scenario now. You know, he, he, it's almost like his his only move now, or his only his only. Well, you know, he yeah, it's a death sentence basically. He's he's in a situation where you know his only thing left to do is die, and it's just a matter of 
is he going to choose how he dies or is he going to just kind of let the disease take him? And, and to me, it really just it, it adds to the, the tragedy of his story um, that, you know, he was he was, you know, he, he, he did the wrong thing for so long. And then when he tried to do the right thing, everything that he had done in the past caught up with him and it left him, you know, in a situation where he was he was thrown out by the by the person he loved. And now he's you know, he's desperately trying to win her back. And well, now he can never do it. He can he can never be with her because he would kill her basically he would infect her with this disease and she would die it's it, to me it's just it's just the tragedy of jorah mormont you know i, I don't know about how you, how you felt about that but that that's sort of my reading of it yeah it's it's definitely as you said a tragic moment for his character once again and you can't help but feel empathy towards him for everything that he's gone through okay he did spy on Daenerys but that was a long long time ago and he saved her so many times since he's always been looking out for her and I think his attempts to try and win back her trust and faith in him by bringing Tyrion Lannister's a case in point the lengths that he'll go to to try and reunite with her what is this going to do now as you said having being infected by the stone men with this grayscale um the, the the one thing that we have learned though in the previous episode is that it can be stopped. It can be cured to an extent. We've seen that with Shireen, where where people can touch her. No? Yeah, yeah, but she yeah. she's been cured, but she's she was also a child when she got it. Oh yeah, no, I I will admit that. However, we have seen that there can be something to stop it. So, I mean that that gives us a little a little bit of hope for Jorah. In the future, mm-hmm. on the other hand, I, I, I don't know how fast the process works with regards to this grayscale. Are we talking about years? Are we talking about days? Because, again, you see the trailers and we see Jorah, from what I can base on interpretation, he looks like he's in the fighting pits. Well, right, yeah. he doesn't look that grayscale to me well it's 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 a slow something happened before then or is something or or does it not go fast enough i'm not sure but as you said the point that you did emphasize which is which is key is uh, draw is he gonna be able to touch anyone again is he gonna be able to reunite himself with daenerys in the same way well see i i think you know i think grayscale it's a fast moving disease but it's not a a a light speed moving disease you know I, i think the reason we're going to see him in the fighting pits perhaps is, you know, it's, that's him choosing how he wants to die. He wants to go about fighting for Daenerys instead of, do you, you know, do you think he's going to die in that scene? I think he's going to die and I think he's going to be killed this season. I, I don't know if it's necessarily in that scene or in another scene or oh, maybe, or maybe he'll keep fighting. Maybe, maybe, you know, for, we've seen him go through so much stuff. Maybe he'll keep fighting until, you know, the disease weakens him to the point where he finally loses in battle. Um, but... I didn't mean to say that, so you were the writer. I'm like, oh, for God's sake, Dominic. <laughs> yeah. Why has he got to die? No, we don't know, but I, I, I could see that. I, I, yeah. I'd say that because Jorah is one of my favorite characters, actually. I, I As you said, it, oh, he's, been, he's been falling with such tragedy now, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, but that, at least that would be a dignified way to go mm-hmm. if that was the case. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, that that's sort of. I, I, I think at the moment his main role is to deliver Tyrion to yeah. her at oh, this yeah. point in time. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of Tyrion, uh, this is our, the last big moment from the episode uh, um, to talk about. You know, we finally see him see a dragon. 
what does this mean for for Tyrion now? Now that he's witnessed this with his own eyes, does it make him more likely to buy into what Danny is doing, or is it just you know something something amazing to have seen? But he's still got his doubts, got his questions. Uh, for him, it's spectacular to see. Oh yeah, visually. absolutely. He's never seen a dragon before, and he's read up so much about them that he has been so fascinated. And what a sight it is, because you look at the size of these dragons now, and they are a hundred times bigger than they were in the first episode of season two. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, were, they were tiny, weren't they? Now look at them. They're giant beasts, and they're only going to grow bigger. So you can understand that it's going to be an awe-inspiring sight for Tyrion. At the same time, as you've rightly said, it's... It's going to be a learning curve, and now he's seen it, he can truly believe it, as you said, and buy into what Daenerys is doing, and he can use the knowledge that he's accumulated from his research and hopefully apply that to helping Daenerys, if it comes to that, which I I, I think will happen, that he will eventually um, find Daenerys, and he, he will collaborate with her. Particularly, as we've seen now, Sir Barristan is gone. She's lacking advisors. And if Jorah, we see him being infected now, whatever happens, the relationship won't be the same anyway. She's, she needs advisors. And who better than the likes of Varys and Tyrion? And just seeing this dragon is going to make him want to buy into that, I, I believe. I, what do you make of that particular scene? Because it was. I thought it was a great scene. And I love the music it was used in the background, by the way, for oh, that yeah. as well. Yeah, well, I, I think this was his buy-in moment. I think, you know, we, we'd seen him, you know, throughout the rest of the season kind of going, not not begrudgingly, I don't know if that's the right term, but not all that enthusiastically either going with Varys to, to see to see Danny. And I think it was in this moment when he sees that dragon, he recognizes that he is going to see someone special, that there is something about her that he should see, that he should he should meet her and perhaps help her uh reclaim the or claim i guess you know she didn't claim it before you know, just claim the iron throne and i yeah i think it was an important scene for him because now i think he's he's much more interested in getting to the getting to the end of this journey than he was before you know before it was just kind of something he was doing with Varus just kind of to because he, he maybe believed Varus, maybe he didn't then you know he was kidnapped with with jorah and he wasn't really in a, a great situation there um, but I, I think this was his big buy-in moment where he recognized, okay, there's something special going on here and I should, or I, I want to be a part of it. All right. I think that is it. I, you know, uh, there's, you know, Brienne and, and Podrick, they had their, their little addition to this story, um, which I, I, I sure will come into play in the future, but not, not too much, uh, not too much, uh, there this week. Although I'll make a prediction, um, Brienne to kill Roose Bolton. What do you think? Ooh, interesting. A nice bit of vengeance for Catelyn Stark, killing her, be. killing the man who betrayed her and Rob. I, I almost feel like that would be a little bit too predictable, though. I almost feel like that would be maybe the. Well, it's as predictable as her also killing Stannis. Yeah, happened to Renly. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, you know, I, I think she's going to have to make the tough choice to side with Stannis. At some point, yes. I, 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 that's sort of where I'm seeing it. I think, that's interesting. That, that, yeah. that would be a bit of a twist after what she said earlier this season. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I think, 
I also think it would be great to see her take down take down Roose Bolton. It would be a nice bit of vengeance. And you know, at at that point maybe maybe she will finally convince Sansa to let her help her. Uh as you know, winter is coming. Uh, in the I north can't. There. I have to say, Dominic, I can't wait for this Battle of Winterfell. Oh, I yeah. think when it does happen, it's going to be epic, and we have finally got a bunch of characters that we've really, really got invested in, and it's impossible to call. Really, I yeah. think the Battle of Black- Blackwater again against the odds, and yeah. everyone was saying Stannis was going to win. Stannis is going to win. And it didn't happen. It was it was relatively and 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 there were no major deaths in that either. So no one really died that made you think, oh my goodness me, the king survived, Cersei survived, Tyrion survived, yeah. Stannis did. This battle though, people are going to go down. Yeah, and, and, and this it's time really hard to call. Yeah, and this time there are no real good guys or bad guys on on either side. I mean, exactly. like, Roose Bolton, Ramsay Sansa, Bolton are maybe. kind of yeah. Well, Sansa's is not really part of the battle though. She's going to be. I don't think, you know, like the, the representatives of each side are both kind of bad guys, you know, uh, you know, Stannis killed, killed Renly in that, that brutal fashion. And, and Roose Bolton killed, killed Robin in a very brutal, very brutal fashion. It's almost like, you know, the killers of the two good kings are now going to face off in, in this, this battle. And, it, it, you know, you almost don't know who to root for. You know, Stannis has done a lot in the last season or two to sort of make you a little bit more sympathetic to him. But at the same time, there's no forgetting what he's done. There's no forgetting what he's done. And, you know, Bruce Bolton hasn't done much to maybe make us want to, uh, to root for him. But there are people within Winterfell that we're sort of seeing, you know, whether it's Sansa, like you mentioned, or even Theon that, you know, maybe we're a little bit more sympathetic to right now. So it's, yeah, it really is. It's kind of a battle of bad guys at this point. And, you know, I'm I'm glad Jon Snow is staying out of it for now, at least it seems because because like you said, every other battle, you know, every other battle had good guys and bad guys. Blackwater, you know, more or less, everybody was rooting for Tyrion, I guess, and even Castle Black, everybody's rooting for Jon. So there is kind of a there 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 have been sort of good guy bad guy situations before, but now it's it, it looks to be bad guy bad guy. You know, maybe maybe we'll wind up rooting for Sir Davos to win, <laughs> to carry the day. Um, I'm actually I'm actually becoming more endeared to Stannis's character though recently. I yeah. particularly from the Night's Watch episodes. I think that's really helped me become he's, more he's, on side to him. I mean, he's he's, he's still a bad. It, he's still a you know he's still he murdered Renly. Like this, there's, there's nothing. There's no getting around that. It's he's still a you know. No, no, no. I, I I do I do admit that, but at the same time. I, I don't know. It's just he's something like about his character. I mean, I mean no, he's look. We talk about characters having flaws. I, I would still prefer Stannis to win this battle than Roose. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and I and I do think that Stannis recently has shown some qualities of you know fatherly love, and the uh, compassion for John in a way that he he really wants. I know he wants to get him on side partly as a tool. I wouldn't say but... I wouldn't say compassion for John. I would say respect for John. I wouldn't say compassion. He has compassion for Shireen, absolutely. But I, I, I think he has sort of a, a respect for for John that he he doesn't have for other characters. Um, but but yeah, I agree that he has done some some stuff to sort of endear himself to to the audience and you know make him sort of the one you you would root for. But I I I, I still feel like he, he's still kind of firmly in the evil camp whereas you know in the past we've had characters that were more in the in the good camp you know there's that whole thing of you know lawful good chaotic good and, and uh you know and all that sort of that that kind of stuff 
And I feel like Stannis is kind of the lawful evil right now. You know, he's still he's still evil, but he's not quite. He's not terrible either. You know, whereas, but I think what people have more rooted for him is not just for Stannis himself, but the characters around him, yeah. the likes of Shireen and Sadavos, which I'm sure fans wouldn't want to see die because, well, they're more benevolent characters, are they not? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, and th- but there's also, he's also got... Um, Whereas the Bolters don't really have that as much. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, he's also got Melisandre with him. And, and you know, I, yeah. we, we could almost be looking at, like, a religious extremist war next season if, if Melisandre, like we said, if Melisandre comes out victorious, then maybe she'll want to take on, you know, all of the, the craziness with the um, the High Sparrow and his, you know, faith militant that's going on in in a, in, in King's Landing. There's There's sort of the two competing the two main religions it seems in westeros could all all of a sudden you know be going to war with each other be very you know crusades-esque um you know if you know assuming she takes power over stannis at some point which i think we both expect her to do um based on again based on that line from sir davos back in season two three two season two two yeah so yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it how it all plays out. But that, yeah, that but uh, let's let's move on to our uh, favorite quotes from this episode. So I'll, I'll throw it over to you first. Do you have a favorite quote from "Kill the Boy"? I do indeed, and I'm going for that dinner table scene with with the Boltons when the Frey mother says, "This must be a strange place for you." Um, ah, coming it. back to Winterfell and Sansa says this isn't a strange place this is my home it's the people who are strange um, and I, I just quite like that Sansa is is obviously standing up for herself a little bit but also we're, we're with her here the same way we're taking her perception of the of events and saying no this is where the Starks live this is not where the yeah. Boltons live <laughs> it's not the place that's strange it's the people so I, I did quite like that line yeah. but I'll throw it over to you Dominic for your quote yeah, well, for me, it's a it's a very short quote, and it's it's from from Stannis actually. Um, after I just got through calling him evil, um, the the scene in the Night's Watch uh, when John is is presenting you know the case for making peace with the wildling and uh, wildlings, and and Stannis just quietly corrects one of the uh, uh, one of the uh, Night's Watchmen's grammar, and you know the guy says less than, and he says, and Stannis sort of goes fewer. So it's sort of this you know reminder that that Stannis kind of views himself as a little bit better than these guys you know in in kind of a funny uh grammar correcting kind of way because that's you know that's that's the kind of thing that people get all it all worked up about sometimes is is improper use of grammar um but uh but yeah that well he he did that in season two as well did he not when he was um in the blackwater bay episode i believe it was and so davos said something similar um and to which uh, said something less less I don't know provisions or something, and and Stannis had said fewer. But what I do like is that in both instances, the Davos then asked what, and then <laughs> and then Stannis just says nothing, nothing. like in a sense that he wouldn't understand because yeah. he's not trained and educated in the same way that Stannis has been. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so that for me uh, was 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 one of my favorite quotes. Any any other ones from you? Just one more. Uh, I won't steal this one because I know that, well, one of the ones that you're going to have with Maester Eamon, I reckon. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take another Stannis one where he's talking with Samuel Tarly and Sam has said the army of the dead, talking about the army of the dead, saying, or oh, when they come, 
Stan says we we have to know how to fight them. Keep reading Samuel Tarly. Just a way that Stephen Delane actually says that line is what gets yeah. it because I like that Stannis is recognizing that Samuel Tarly isn't a fighter, yet there is still uses there in the sense that he recognizes the strengths of reading and learning and in in a, in a contrast, complete contrast to Samuel's father. Yeah. Who said if you're not a soldier then you're pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh I, I quite like that side. Yeah. And, and and that's me continuously on the not because I don't want to say Stannis is evil personally. I don't. I don't because I. I always think the connotations of that word can draw up interpretations and images which aren't completely correct. I don't think it, it's hard in Game of Thrones to really speak in those narrow terms personally. For some, sometimes for the characters because they have their flaws, they have their strengths. He's certainly one of the most flawed characters in the show, but I, I do think he has some redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll throw it over to you for your next quote. Yeah, well, I've got one more. I got the Tyrion quote here uh, when he's he's trying to get uh, Jorah to respond to him. He says, "Long si- silences and an occasional punch in the face, the Mormont way." Uh, great stuff uh, from Peter Dinklage as Tyrion. Uh, always, always hilarious. Okay, I've got one more. All right, go I, for I thought it. you were going to take this one, but this is Maester Aemon's line to John in this episode. He says. When John is deliberating over his decision to tell the Night's Watch about making an alliance with the wildlings, you will find little joy in your command, but with luck you will do the strength. You will find the strength to do what needs to be done. Kill the boy, Jon Snow. Winter is almost upon us. Kill the boy and let the man be born. All right. So that is going to wrap things up for us for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Before we go, we just have time for final thoughts and score out of 10. So I nearly called you Tyrion. Uh, Kieran. Wow, I'll tell you that's a compliment. Yeah, Kieran. Uh, the Tyrion final... of the podcast world. <laughs> final thoughts. As, as witty as him. Um, no, probably not. <laughs> final thoughts and score out of 10. If you're Tyrion, I don't know who the hell I am. Would you take Would you take Varys? Varys. <laughs> to shave my head but sure why not <laughs> <laughs> the chemistry though you know, that's what I'm talking about the chemistry more sure any any <laughs> well yeah I could have said Joffrey um, oh oh <laughs> I joke I joke um, I'd probably be sure no I'm not I'm not, I'm not even gonna let's, let's just carry on I'm Terry and we're gonna take Tyrion, it from yeah, there guys okay so <laughs> final thoughts a square out of ten Okay, I'm going to say that this episode was one of the best this season. We talked a lot about the character interaction and the fact it really was based on the interplay between the different individuals in the series. And I I think it really worked. It didn't necessarily further the plot, but I believe it's setting up more of what's to come. And... And I do like seeing the, the, the Bolton dynamics. We've spoken about what's going on in the North as well. Stannis is leaving there. He's departed the North now. Uh, oh, sorry, he's departed the Wall at least. And he's heading down to Winterfell. The wheels are being set in motion here. And I, I feel that there could be a, a, a blossoming relationship between Jorah and Tyrion as well. I, I, both of those characters on the screen, fantastic scenes in my opinion. So for me, I'm going to give this one and. Uh, an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Fair enough, fair enough. For me, this episode fell a little bit short. It's the mid-season slump, if you ask me. It, it, 
it showed us some things, but it also showed us a lot of what we already knew. And I, I felt, especially when we were dealing with the Starks and the Boltons, I felt like we've we've been down that road before, and we've we've seen, uh, you know, how those characters interact and how they respond to one another. Um, that I didn't necessarily need to see more of it this week. I did really enjoy the Jon Snow stuff. I, I felt that was a, a, a good advancement of both the, of both the story and his character arc. I thought it was really interesting to, you know, make him face, you know, dissent amongst his ranks. You know, again, we, we keep com- coming back to this, this comparison between Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen. And, you know, Jon Snow seems to be making all the right decisions. Now, granted... Jon Snow grew up with with Ned Stark, and Ned Stark was, you know, painfully honorable. To to quote, uh, I don't know where that's a quote from, but I know I heard that somewhere. Um, you know, he is he's the most honorable character in the story, pretty much. I think that was Stannis who might have said that. Oh, well, perhaps, perhaps it was Stannis. Um, and uh, so I, I think you know he, he had that advantage over her, whereas you know she grew up with Viserys, the Mad King, and Khal Drogo. So, you know, he, he does kind of have that advantage, and so it's interesting to see her as she sort of struggles with her, with, with her past, or with her, uh, or the way she wants to uh, handle these sorts of things, whereas, you know, he's already got that figured out, and it seems she's moving in the right direction to, to you know, be on par with him, and, and that's good to see. You know, it was, you know, it was, it was distressing. The beginning of the episode, I'll be honest, I was a bit like, oh, no, Danny, don't! Don't do that! <laughs> Please no, uh, but I, I, but you know I, I did I did I do think that was an important uh, an important step in her story even if it was a was a tough scene to watch and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more of Jorah more of uh, Tyrion seeing how that plays out now especially now that the gray, there's the grayscale I think that has made uh, Jorah's story this season infinitely more interesting uh, than just you know, wanting to go back and win back Danny. And so I think this, this adds an, a new layer to his story. And I thought that, I think that's really great. And, uh, yeah, just looking forward to next, next episodes, getting back to King's Landing, see how, seeing how things go. Uh, Olena Tyrell's return and all, all that fun stuff. And I uh, hope, and we'll, I'm sure we're, we're ramping up at this point as we've only got what, well, we've got five more episodes left as we, we race towards the, the season finale and seeing how, how these things play out. And so for me, uh, six out of ten for this episode. I, 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 you know, yeah. could I like there were lots of stuff that I liked, but there was also a lot of stuff that I could have done without. Could have done without, to be perfectly honest. So that will wrap things up for us here this week. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, you can check out our other podcast, The Clone Wars Strikes Back. That's where we talk about the uh, the sadly over but uh, not forgotten Emmy Award winning animated series star wars the clone wars we're uh, we're making our way through season five at this point we just wrapped up our recording of the droids arc so uh, an interesting arc but uh it's all but you know what it's star wars it's always fun so definitely check that out you can find that uh by searching for the clone wars strikes back on facebook and twitter as well as searching for the star wars underworld in itunes uh kieran do you want to let the folks know what is coming up on expression fm Busy, busy times for Expression FM at the moment, as always, particularly as we are trying to fit in multiple shows with exams, which is always (laughs) not so fun and exciting. But the exam season is coming to an end by this time next week. Most people will be finishing up their exams, so hopefully more and more shows for Expression FM. We did our latest general election show on Thursday um, and that was a ball of a ball of fun. We were up until about 6:30 a.m., but 
you know, um, like my five hours of sleep was worth it as, as I had to get up for training the next day. But nevertheless, I've still got my own show going on Expression every Monday, six till seven. It's called Duggan's Dance Anthems. The clue is in the title. If you're a fan of dance anthems, this is the show you'll want to listen to. And for those of you in America, that will be around one to two p.m. Eastern time. Pacific time, three hours before that, 11 a.m. So do, or 10 a.m. even. See, I can't do my maths properly here. Um, <laughs> so do tune into that, and it should be a great laugh. The way you can do that is by getting in touch. Well, you can, sorry, you can listen in on the website, which is www.expression.fm. You can also get in touch via Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at expressionfm. And our Facebook page is entitled www.facebook.com slash expressionfm. That's expression with an X, not an EX, <laughs> which you might expect for Exeter. But there hey, we go. Whatever. So I'll pass it over to Dominic now to disclose your own little podcast you're involved with. Yeah, I mentioned the Star Wars Underworld a second ago. You also want to check out the Star Wars Underworld podcast, a weekly Star Wars show discussing all things Star Wars, whether it's The Force Awakens, Star Wars Rebels, Rogue One, Battlefront, and so much more. We're wrapping up our Star Wars celebration coverage this week with our discussion about Day 4. So we'll be talking Rogue One and all kinds of other fun stuff related to the Star Wars anthology films, as well as all the latest breaking star wars news and we'll be kicking off the countdown to star wars celebration london in 2016 uh so you can find that by heading over to starwarsunderworld.com or by subscribing to star wars underworld on itunes that's where you'll also find the clone wars strikes back speaking of itunes you can subscribe to this show on itunes just search for the watchers of westeros click subscribe leave leave us a review we always love to get those especially the five star ones uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Watcher Westeros. Yes, that's Watcher. That's singular. Even though there are two of us, it's just Watcher Westeros on Twitter and then at DominicJ25 at CDuggan6. Uh, and that's how you can keep up with. Uh, that's how you'll never miss an episode. Another way to never miss an episode is to like us on Facebook. Just search for The Watchers of Westeros on Facebook. Like us over there. And uh, that's where we post all our shows. So do not miss out on that. So... We'll be back next week when we talk about episode six. Looks like it's going to be a big, a big deal as uh, things get crazy again. And uh, so be sure to tune in next week. We'll have new episodes. Uh, we're, I like I like having the Thursday release date for Watchers of Westeros. So you listen to listen to the Watchers of Westeros on Thursday, then the Star Wars Underworld on Friday works perfectly, right? Right. <laughs> All right. So that's it for, from us. We'll be back next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. For the Watchers of Westeros, I'm Dominic. I'm Kieran. And remember, kill the boy and let the man be born. <laughs>